Welcome everyone to the first episode of the shady side of logistics. Today's guest is a former double broker uh, who's going to share with us some insights into how the operation looks like. Uh, so thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, if you could just maybe tell us, uh, you know, how, how the operation or how the double brokering world is. Well, thanks for having me. Um, well, there's so much that goes into this business and it's really a shady side of the business. But to be honest with you, there is so much money to be made. There's so much money that gets made every day. Okay. And just from the from the outside in, it doesn't seem like it's something that's, it might seem uncommon, but in reality is the reality of it is that we really don't know how many double brokers there are because they're so tied into just the way that the industry works and really there's no weeding them out. Okay. So, I mean, how, how did you get into becoming a double broker? Was it just like you, you, you were hired by a company and they ended up, you know, cause training you like, how, how did that look like? So that was through a friend. It was uh, it was mutual friends, you know, friend of a friend. Um, I had a, a nine to five in the past. Um, went out to eat with a friend and he had a truck and he's like, oh, yeah, man, these guys, I know you don't want to drive. But uh, my broker said they need help. And uh, he's like, you should reach out to them. So I did pretty much. Um, the process was like, you know, you go to an interview. Uh, I got dressed up, put a suit on, met met a couple of guys, had lunch, talked about it, what the job was going to be like. Everything looked good, and that was it. I got hired, which I thought was going to be more formal, considering that I really thought I was talking to a broker. Okay. And then my first day on the job, I get there, and everybody's just wearing track suits, shorts, you know, just casual wear. But it looked like a call center. I mean, dispatchers all over the place, tons of phones, computers, you know, the okay. works. So when, when you were applying, were you aware that you're going to be a double broker? I didn't know. I had no, I mean, I knew about the trucking industry a little bit. I had no clue how it worked or what went into it. Once I got there, I got some training and the training was really, it started off as a dispatch training, you know, like, oh, look, uh, this is the number of trucks we have. And this is more or less what you're going to be doing, calling the drivers, introducing yourself, um, and let them know that you're there and that you're the new dispatcher. I'm like, okay. So I did that. Um, after a week or so, they're like, oh, you're pretty familiar with everybody. So we want you to practice, you know, booking loads. Um, here's the company name. And I'm like, okay, I'd never question anything because I didn't know. And sure. so I'm like, okay, I work for XYZ and we're trying to book a, a load for um, this company. So like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, okay, cool. And one of the first things I was always told was like, oh, talk to the driver, get a feel for what they want and ask them how much they're looking for. Once you get that number, add $300. That's going to be your commission. And I was like, wow, okay. 
It's like, so the farther down you can get the, the driver, the more commission you can make. I'm like, oh, cool. That sounds, that sounds great. So off of that, I mean, some of the guys that I was working with were already making 20, 30,000 a month in commission. And so I was wanting to get there, you know, I'm like, what are you guys doing? How are you doing this? And eventually I came to find out that these guys are, they're, they're buying out MC company, um, trucking companies off of the owners and they're running their MC numbers. And so if you have a truck that's established um, in, a, in a trucking business that's been established, they'll, they'll go around offering you money. You know, if you really don't know, they'll try to lowball you. But if you know what they're getting into, they'll, they'll, they'll pay you some good money. I think one of the guys I was working with, they were offering him about 10000 for his for his company, for his business to take over the MC. And... Um, that's why it makes it so hard to pinpoint who they are because sure. they're constantly changing their names. Okay. So when you were getting freight, uh, were you constantly changing your MC number daily? Like how many MC numbers were you operating through? I was using one at the time because I was running the same lane. So it didn't really make sense for me to be using a different one. Um, it, it made it easier to book uh, committed freight, you know, or to get sure. uh, better lanes with the same company. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more believable, really, to be honest with you. I mean, hey, I have two trucks running this lane right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a lot easier. It kept people off my back because uh, we um, when we worked with uh, Convoy, um, that's a big broker that a lot of people haul for. Um, they started asking questions like, man, you guys, is, uh, your lane history is pretty erratic. You know, it's, you got one guy doing this lane and you got another guy doing that lane. It's just kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they said like most of the time we get stuff that's similar, really similar lanes, but you guys are all over the place. It's kind of crazy. So that's how one of those, uh, MC numbers got flagged was, was like that, um, you know, so we got freight guarded or no, not that time. The one time that it did get freight guarded was because, um, we booked the load. We had a guy show up to the shipper and they needed to verify. They were asking like, Hey, why doesn't the name on the paperwork match the name on the truck? And so that was one of the times we got freight guarded, um, because of that. Okay. But go ahead. Uh, so just, I mean, in terms of, uh, being freight guarded, was that like the worst thing that could happen, uh, to an MC just to get double brokering freight guard? Yeah, because I mean, some guys will still work with you, but it's, it's really tough. I mean, I'm not sure how a lot of brokers check their, their trucks, but, um, yeah, that was the biggest challenge. I mean, trying to get them to, uh, Trying to get them to trust you again is the hardest thing. I mean, it's not impossible, but it is pretty hard. And really the excuse we gave was like, oh, somebody hijacked our MC number and they were booking freight under our name. That's not us, you know, stuff like that. That's what worked the best for us. That's worked okay. good for me. Got it. And did you have any relationships with brokers uh, in terms of like, did the broker know that you were double brokering it? No, I 
I didn't have any. Um, eventually, we built a relationship, but it was always uh, that, like, oh, I'm just a dispatcher for the company. It was never more than that. Nobody ever knew. Okay. But so you were a double broker, but you were like, in terms of paying trucking companies, you were like the company was paying them properly, right? Like uh, they weren't w- withholding payments from trucking companies. No. So on our end, um, we're set up as a, as a business. I mean, take it like a TQL, CH Robinson, you know, the company is set yeah. up as such and every driver gets paid everything. We have, um, we have what was the cash advance, fuel advance, stuff like that. I mean, it's a legitimate business, you know? Okay. Okay. Uh, and you touched on the subject that there's a lot of money in it. Could you provide us some kind of numbers in terms of like what, what's like the average double broker making? What's like the owner making? Do you know any, like, like could you tell us what you're making? Yeah. So when I was running, I, like I said, I, depending on the, the time, and the season and stuff like that. And the driver, I mean, we were, I was clearing upwards of 200, $300 a load. And when you start working with the guys that have five or six trucks every, every other day, well then that starts adding up. The most I've ever heard of was about $20,000 in, in a month, 20 to 30,000. Um, during the hurricane season, I know there's a couple of FEMA loads that, that pay really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one time we were into it, I think one of the guys ended up paying like 20,000 for a load and the driver got like 15, 16. And so we pocket the difference. Yeah. So when you were working there, did you know that it was like, not a, like that it was shady or just, or just because of the fact that you were trained to do this, did you just think this is how the industry operates? Yeah. That's just how I knew it. I mean, I never, I didn't know any better uh, whenever we got the first freight guard that's when i started to um really catch on to what was going on i was like so because they would tell us oh don't worry with this company for right now um you know just stand by okay and so i ended up calling one day regardless and it's kind of like they're like oh well you have this i'm a freight guard i'm like okay what is that or why how does that work and then that's when the brokers were like, they themselves were telling me like, oh, well, this is what happens. You know, some guys do that. I know yeah. you guys aren't doing it. And so I started catching on, doing research about it. And I was like, slowly but surely coming to the realization that <laughs> I was one of those guys. Definitely. Okay. Uh, so to build on that, uh, like what years was this taking place? How long were you doing it for? And, um, you know, when you left, how did that process look like? Did you just not show up to work one day or did you go with like a two week, uh, process of, uh, two week notice? How, how did that look like? No. So, um, I was doing that like eight years ago and okay. I did it for three, I did it for three years. And so after I was pretty much established, I mean, I already knew what was going on. Um, some things were changing in my life and I just needed to get something different because uh, to the rep, you get hired on as an independent contractor. 
So you don't have any benefits. You, you know, you're running your own business. And sure. so I needed to step back and really, you know, get something better that was more beneficial, I guess, to me. Sure. Uh, I mean, this is fascinating. Uh, I want to just cut catch up or build on two, two subjects uh, here. So you told me that the whole like process of trucking, trucking companies getting paid. So like trucking companies got paid. There was no issue with that. Um, there was two advanced uh, quick pay options. Like there's a legitimate business with a high credit score. So that's just some information that's, you know, valuable for the average broker that might think that double brokers aren't paying trucking companies. Um, and then I want to see if like, did they pay you everything they owe you? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is that um, when these guys do take a load or whatever, um, a lot of times they'll, uh, whenever we would get, when we would book the loads, we would always take them 30 day pay that we didn't deduct anything. We had a factoring company that was owned by the, by the company mm-hmm. and the drivers were set up through that company. So okay, um, whenever they get a, a cash advance or a quick pay, everything was going through the factoring company that was set up as a, a whole nother business that was owned by the company that was doing the double brokering. Okay. And then did the company have any actual trucks? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Because so the way that it was set up, it's uh, you have the, I guess the business, you know, the face of the company, but then within the company, you have different offices and each office runs a number of MCs. It could be one, it could be three. And um, you know, they had, they own the trucks, they own the, they own the, the MCs. And so each office works with different drivers and it's always, um, you know, something different. Okay. But and that everything goes back to the, the same main one. Okay. Uh, were you booking mostly drive and freight or partial loads, reefer loads? What were you mostly, uh, what was your niche? Uh, mostly reefer, reefer okay. and reefer partials. Okay. And this is just super fascinating stuff. And um, I mean, I appreciate you coming on and telling us about this. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to add uh, to tell tell the world and or the, the logistics world in America more about the, the whole double brokering world? Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest thing that or the reason why a lot of carriers end up getting loads through a double broker, it's because uh, a lot of them just can't get set up, whether it's a conditional rating for X number of tickets, you know, a safety violation, um, stuff like that. I think that's why they they lean towards the double brokering because when they get set up, whether they're conditional, you know, whatever the their case may be, they can still get a load, any load. Yeah, I mean... I, th- I think what a lot of trucking companies are worried about is not getting paid. And it seems like, you know, with, with the operation that you worked at, I mean, it was a legitimate business and they were essentially just, you know, yes, they were double brokers, but it was just an extension of the brokerage. And like, 
you were still paying the trucking companies. So, uh, and it doesn't seem like you were like screwing them, you know, and that's, that's an issue that, uh, a lot of, uh, trucking companies have, uh, with other companies, with other brokerages that they, you know, they don't get paid. Um, so, I mean, like it, it, it is, you know, shady, uh, when it comes down to like the ethical part of it, but as long, at least I'm happy you guys are paying the trucking company, right? That's like the most important. Yeah, thing. I, I think that's what it boils down to. Um, you know, the drivers getting paid; they're the ones doing the work. Yeah. Would you ever cancel loads or uh, take losses? Uh, I tried not to cancel unless we absolutely had to, but we definitely wouldn't take a loss because obviously that's money off of our, our out of our pockets. You know, on on a few occasions, I did had to pay out of pocket just to cover expenses that weren't you know but that that's the only thing is that that's this is a business where you really don't want to take a loss because the loss comes out of your pocket sure totally well i really appreciate the insights i mean i think there's a there's a longer conversation to have here i mean and you know with this podcast i'm not looking to expose uh, any company specifically, I'm not looking to name anyone. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of get trying to get insights into it. But I really appreciate you coming on and telling us about this. I think it's a fascinating topic. Yeah, there's a lot of conversations to be had, man. I mean, there's more to talk about. Um, definitely, like I said, yeah. um, it's uh, it's a lucrative business. I mean, there's money to be made. You know. You're basically getting hired on as your own as your own business and the work you put in is the amount of money you're gonna get out of it. Yeah. Do you know if the office is like operating the same way it was operating when you were there at the current moment? Yes. Okay. Well, I wish them luck. All the best in their double brokering endeavors. Uh, but but awesome. Well, I mean, that's that's a wrap for the episode one. Uh, I, I appreciate your, your time today. And if you have any last words, uh, feel free to, to go for it. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. That's a wrap for episode one.